Time now for us to check in with Vaughn Palmer from the Vancouver Sun. Now, Vaughn, that's your favorite Gordon Lightfoot song, right? It is indeed, and it is hard for me still not to get choked up listening to it. He was amazing, and just this always seems to happen. Like, I know we appreciated Gordon Lightfoot when he was here, too, but boy, you get a whole new appreciation, don't you, when you read some of these stories? Yeah, there's a great piece in the New York Times today about that song, actually. I read that, Pointing yeah. out that it became a huge hit, even though it's long for radio. It's also got, as a journalist, <laughs> quite powerful thing. Lightfoot fact-checked the song. He based it on what was known at the time. The song came out less than a year after the sinking of the Edmund Fitzgerald in, in November 1975. So it comes out after that. And then years later, when they learn more about what actually caused the sinking, Lightfoot changed the lyric of his song so it would be accurate. So really? give, me a, give me a guy who <laughs> fact-checks his songs. i got to tell you, though, Simi, if you don't mind, my deeply personal reason for getting choked up listening to it. Mm-hmm. So uh, I grew up in a little tiny community in eastern Quebec, and my dad was an officer on the Great Lakes. Uh, on shipping. And on Mm -hmm. September the 5th, 1964, at 8 p.m., I'm listening to the radio in my little community, and I hear on the radio breaking news, the SS Leecliff Hall is sinking. And that's my dad's ship. Oh, no. I was 12 years old. I was put to bed that night later. Not until the next morning did my mom and I learn that dad had survived. Three others were killed in the sinking. So that's 11 years before the Edmund Fitzgerald. But, like, it's just, I I can flash back to that night anytime I want or don't want. And when I hear the song, I always do. So, you oh, know, I, there were 29 people, as we know from Lightfoot's very accurate lyric, 29 people who didn't make it. The Edmund Fitzgerald just disappeared off the radar and was gone in a moment on Lake Superior. Uh, My dad's ship sank, but everybody but three were rescued. So there's my own personal reason Uh, for loving that song. You were just a little kid. No wonder that stuck with you like that. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, we will talk a little politics this morning yeah. as well, of course, along with music. Um, let's talk about this strata conversion thing, because boy, did this ever change. Yeah, so when the government came, stepped in last November and changed the strata rules and did it in order to eliminate age discrimination, but created an exemption so that 55-plus stratas would be, uh, can we say grandparented out for people of the age of 55? <laughs> I mean, that's what they did. At the time, uh, people in the industry said, we understand your motive, but there's buildings that are going to convert. They will convert to 55 plus in order to, because their residents want to be child-free, you know, without saying so. And at the time, we reported all this, and I remember the housing minister, Callan, and the premier, David Eby, say, you know, uh, that's not a bug in the legislation, that's a feature. We did it to, to protect seniors plus. And they said at the time there wasn't going to be any change. Well, yesterday we got a change. It's not a huge change, but it is a significant one. They've now said that if a strata converts to 55 plus, the people that are already living there 
can still have children. They can still have adult children move home. They can have caregivers come in, and they can't be evicted. What was happening is these conversions, people were going, well, you know, I don't, I don't have children now, but you've converted, and you're telling me I'm out, and they were telling people they're out. So it's a good move, needed. Um, the minister says it only, government estimate is, there's only about uh, 230, I think, conversions that have occurred where this is going to be an issue. So it's not a huge number. That's still a large number of people affected. It's a very large number if you happen to be someone sitting in a strata which you own, planning to have a family and being told you're going to get evicted if you'd have a child, right? Like that's only one person. uh, That's a a bad thing to happen. Or a couple who, you know, they want to have an adult caregiver or an adult child move back in, all that. So it's it's a good move by the government, uh, belated, I would say, and you do agree. have to go back and say they were in denial about all this last November. Well, that's what I was going to say, too. It is a great move. I'm glad they're doing it. But if they had just listened back when the concerns were being raised, instead of yep. dismissing them, this would have been avoidable. They wouldn't have had to change things a year later and dial it back and do all that. Yeah, no, that's quite true. Uh, you know, government should listen. Uh, there's lots of examples of they could avoid trouble if they had listened, and I think this is one of them. And, you know, there are people who've been through a lot of dislocation and concern and worry and anxiety because it took the government so long to get around to making this change. Okay, so let's talk about the story policing thing. Is this another one of those areas you feel like maybe the public, they could have listened? Well, you know... Uh, there's a couple of things that happened. The first one is that uh, Mike Farnworth has acknowledged that Brenda Locke, the mayor of Surrey, had a point. You remember her press conference on Friday. She said, they want me to study this report and, you know, respond, and here's what they gave me, and she's holding up pages that are all blacked out. They gave her a heavily redacted version of the report. A 500-page report, they gave her 139 pages. So she's saying, I can't make a decision on this, and it's insulting, and Mike Farnworth has conceded she has a point. I know he said it on your show yesterday. He said it in the House yesterday. He said, look, we're going to give Surrey City staff the entire report unredacted so they can study it and make up their minds fairly. A good move, should have done it in the first place, but at least they're making the right move. And the premier reached out yesterday and said, um, the one thing he thinks that he and the mayor of Surrey, Brenda Locke, agree on is that this has gone on long enough. Let's get it over with. Uh, let's move on. Well, you know, I'm hearing as well that uh, Surrey is going to give itself a month to study the report, which strikes me as reasonable, and then get on with it. And as you know, Simi, there's a bit of rumbling out of Surrey that they may have another vote at council. There may be members of council that are going to change their vote in light of the provincial government offer of $150 million to help with the transition. Okay, that certainly changes things. And I'm thinking the month is, is it will give the mayor a chance to perhaps smooth this over. Yeah, 
I mean, look, there's plenty of room for recriminations on this. Uh, there are plenty of opportunities for finger pointing. I do think, and you know, I've heard this even from the politicians in Surrey, is that what Surrey people mostly want is they don't ever want to hear about this again. Yeah, exactly. And that's reasonable. So that would be a way to move forward. There's a couple of other fallout things that are happening. We don't entirely know what it means. I'm hearing some mayors and councillors going, um, if you're giving Surrey $150 million uh, for a mess they made, how much are you going to give us for policing? Fair point. Although, you know, the government has been pretty generous in handing out a billion dollars to local government for infrastructure yeah. anyway. And, and the minister did yep. say yesterday, it's not necessarily $150 million, what he was saying. He used that as an example. He's not sure what the exact number is. Well, he's the one, I agree with you, but it's a little late. That particular horse has escaped the barn. That number, $150 million over five years, came from Mike Farnworth. And I'm sure every mayor and council, and Surrey as well, has the tape. He said it. So he can try to walk it back now to, oh, I was just throwing out a number and I was just speculating. But I'm guessing if they get to negotiating with Surrey, Simi, the yeah. opening position of Surrey <laughs> is going to be, we'll take you the $150 said. million. Yeah. Dollars. Thank you very much. Exactly. Okay. But let's talk about the bigger picture here too, Vaughn. Is this a step, do you think, that a year from now, like we're heading to an election a year and a half from now, could we be looking at perhaps talking about a provincial or more regional police force in that time? You know, I think that's where we're headed in the long run. If you look at the rhetoric and the things that Farmworth said in explaining why we can't go back to the RCMP. He talked about staffing issues. He at one point referred to the Nova Scotia inquiry. And there's a general thought out there in the provincial government that in the long run, Ottawa would probably not mind getting, ready of local, getting rid of local policing. So we had a legislature committee this time last year put out a report saying we should be looking at a provincial police force. We have mayors in Metro Vancouver saying we should be thinking of a regional police force. I think that's the arc in the long term. Farmworth said, oh, the RCMP will be with us for many years. Well, I think it'll be with us as a national police force and uh, security services and all that. But I do think the long term arc is probably a provincial police force. Alberta's talking about the same thing. And the the transition, Simi, may start with a regional police force, uh, uh, one for Metro Vancouver, maybe one for the provincial capital region. Uh, we're still a long way from concrete planning on how that would work, but I think that's the road we're embarking on here hmm. in B.C. That was the recommendation, right, from that yeah. all-party committee? Yeah, all-party committee, uh, six uh, new Democrats, including two who are now in cabinet, uh, three B.C. liberals, one green, and they all said the same thing. They said we should be looking at a provincial police force to replace the services that are now contracted to the RCMP. So the RCMP contract runs, I think, 2032. We've got time to get going on it. And I heard um, uh, one of the mayors, at least, were at West, uh, Porco Quitlam, say yesterday, we should be thinking of a regional police force in and around Metro Vancouver, too. So there's lots hmm. of calls for it. What we probably need is, I hate to say it, another committee to actually come up with a plan to how to do this. <laughs> but that is probably in the long run where we're headed. And I don't think, Simi, Ottawa would be crushed. I think Ottawa hmm. would go, you know, 
what? We don't mind getting rid of local policing, especially in large metropolitan areas. They'll obviously keep policing for northern, maybe for the maritime provinces, but I think we're probably headed to more provincial police forces and regional forces. Interesting. All right, Vaughn, thank you. Bye-bye, Sam.